Oh, gosh, it's so great to, to be here, and, and thanks for, for having us. Uh, I'm Robbie Vadreen, as you already know, and this is Terry. And I'm going to read this thing, or I would take every rabbit trail and tangent I can. So I'm going to stick to the script for y'all's benefit. So we've been married for 32 years. We're going to see how he does, because I've put handwriting in here that we'll see if he can read. So oh, no. Read yeah, you did. Oh. Curveball. <laughs> So, uh, so we've been married for 32 years coming uh, this August. We have actually six kids. We lost one in a miscarriage, and we've added three sons-in-law, a fourth coming in September, and uh, two weeks ago, we added our fifth grandchildren, your grandchild. So, so I think that program is going to keep going, so we're going to be doing that for, for a bit. And like Mandy said, Terry and I have served here since the inception of, of Reengage here at Watermark. And from the very first group, we've been just overwhelmed how God uses stories to transform lives and how he uses his word uh, to open eyes and hearts. And tonight, we just really want to share our story. So I was raised in a stable home. My recollection of, of home was that it was normal. Um, it wasn't until I was married that I realized that normal is, is not what I thought it was. <laughs> and I think I used normal as a way to, as a security blanket, to block out all of the diversity that was really out there. But the, the real differences in our experiences were eye-opening to me. And from Terry's point of view, I don't think that, she, that my home was anything but uh, like normal for her. So our home was a Christian home. And my early childhood experiences with God and church were very structured and impersonal. The experiences focused on accomplishment and duty, and that carried over into family life. My exposure to the gospel and to scripture came predominantly from my mom and her love of the Bible and, and reasoning from a biblical worldview. And this was more than anything I experienced or heard from church. When I was 10, my parents had a great awakening, a discovery of Jesus in a personal way, that was the beginning of a serious change that marked a devotion that would forever change the way I view God and led to my own conversion from a lifeless external religious experience to a personal relationship and a zeal for God through faith in Christ. My home was happy and robust for the most part. Even after our family's newfound devotion, we were still very much a mix of dysfunctions, but loving. I'm the third child of four, and the dynamic in our house growing up was a steady dose of lively debate arguing and much commotion. This was a part of everyday life. Our family debated vigorously, and there was little room for a weak disposition. If you're going to survive, you better be quick on your feet. And this was a blessing and a curse. The blessing was that if you had to pay attention and articulate quickly skills that are worth having, but the curse was often hurt feelings and a lot of fence mending. As time has gone on, and God has worked in all of us, brothers, sisters, and mom and dad, we're closer and more engaged than, than we, we ever have been. And even, you know, I, I blew it with my ad lib. With each other, uh, even through miles that separate us, we, we have grown to love each other even more. And so we've repaired a lot of those wounds. And, and I can say that I love my family of origin immensely. And they are a huge part of our lives. Warts and all, we love each other dearly. An area from my childhood that had crypt, uh, crypt, crypt, crypt. There's a word in there. Impacted. Thank you. I'll just read it. Uh, th- that uh, impacted our marriage was the way money was handled. It was simply that there was never enough and there was always enough. We lacked for nothing until we lacked for something. But there always seemed to be just enough to meet needs. 
Money was always an emotional subject, not a rational, pragmatic topic where wisdom and knowledge were transferred to me. We were not extravagant, just average middle class. But by the time I entered into marriage, I viewed money with extreme optimism and an insatiable material appetite. My childhood was much different from Robbie's, but I did grow up in a loving Christian home. My parents divorced when I was just four, but my mother was very careful to never speak negatively about my dad, allowing my younger brother and me to enjoy our time with dad without bitterness or resentment. Even with cross-country moves and school changes, there was a source of stability based in religious practice. Scripture memory and church attendance were mandatory in our family, and I jumped in wholeheartedly. As Awana programs became available, we also participated in those. I don't even know if they're around anymore. Um, My naturally competitive nature flourished in this environment, and I devoured Scripture since there were contests on every side for reciting it. I am grateful that even now I can frequently grasp those long-ago learned verses. It's getting harder and harder as I age. Um, My father was not a regular provider during my childhood, and my mother did her best to make ends meet for our family. But I was called upon at just 12 years old to begin working outside the home to help as I was able. There was never extra. We often were without heat or electricity for days at a time. But mom cheerfully struggled through without complaining or ever admitting to anyone that we had a deficit, and we managed. Because of her necessary frugality, I learned to be very careful with money and struggled in marriage over control in financial matters. I counted every penny and found it difficult to spend on anything that wasn't absolutely essential. Not long after I met Robbie, he began to be a regular in our home. My mom enjoyed cooking for him, and he enjoyed getting away from the dorm. Discussions over religion and politics, social situations, or any other topic began to be more and more frequent, something I'd never been witness to in our home. I enjoyed him being around and began to fall for him hard as we became friends. That first summer after his freshman year, when he returned to Dallas, made me realize just how important he had become to me, and I missed him like crazy. When he returned that fall, we began to date and haven't turned back since. I didn't even mention that I was in high school. Yeah, she was. I was in high school. If you're going to start telling stories. (laughs) Keep doing it. Our first three years of marriage is really a blur. We were married in August of 91, and we were pregnant with twins by the end of the year. We were debt-free, and I was finishing college, and Terry was working full-time. I played varsity basketball and was carrying a full load at school, so Terry was the breadwinner. When she was put on bed rest with the twins, my living my best life ended, and off to work I went. Uh, The twins came on September 16, 1992. Fast forward 20 months, and we had twins and a newborn. Having twins at age 20 wasn't exactly what I'd planned, but I'm so grateful that God was in control. I have enjoyed being mom thoroughly and wouldn't have traded a moment. One baby changes your life, so two wasn't much different. It was number three just 20 months later that wore me out. We added two more kids, one at a time and with a longer stretch (laughs) between each, and I took on the blessed, adventurous challenge of homeschooling. It was in the throes of young children that God began to prune away some branches in my life that were sabotaging our relationship. With our very diverse upbringings, we had developed a communication style that was draining the life out of our marriage. I was an escalator and also aggressive, and Terry's nature of withdrawing and avoiding conflict had created a situation where I stopped listening listening, and she stopped offering. I had been so quick with decisions that by the time she had processed information and was ready to contribute, we were already down the road. Truth be told, I was arrogant. 
I was so in my own head, I didn't even know how uncaring and distant I had become. Because we were in constant motion, I rarely made Terry the priority. We were all about divide and conquer, and I was conquering the person who was the most important to me. It was in the throes of being a drained mom and an overworked dad that my habit of squelching her input had come into focus. Even after recognizing my failure, my my sin, it took a long time for me to change the habit. It was hard work and prayer and the pressure of other men in my life that yielded real change. This was the first time I had lived out what dying to yourself looks like. As Robbie began to patiently listen to me and value my opinion, it shed a huge light on my martyr syndrome and my isolation. I had been very content burrowing into my duties at home and isolating. Rather than flinging sarcastic barbs during conflict in order to heighten his anger and make all issues about his sin rather than ever looking at myself, the Lord revealed my part in our communication struggles, and I was forced to admit that I was wrong. But we don't say that out loud. (laughs) After many years, I still find dying to myself to be difficult. I know that if re-engage existed in those early years of marriage, we would have made a lot of progress in, in a shorter amount of time. God is still good. With the onset of a successful career, it was rapid transition to Terry staying at home. Our financial situation had changed, and without a strategy, my optimistic spending took over. I became comfortable with being a mom in this busy metroplex. My Midwestern homegrown canned food and frugality had been replaced with the ease of Chick-fil-A on the way to dance classes or sports practices, date nights and babysitters, and aimless trips to Target. We started down the path of consumerism and began to dive into our hole of debt without any sound wisdom to hold us in check at that time. My reservations about spending and aversion to debt began to diminish in the joy of purchasing like I'd never experienced before in my life. Our income did not grow at the same pace as our appetite. Woohoo! It was in the spring of 2008, as the economy had begun to soften, myself and another man in our community group were complaining about the state of our finances, so the whole community group dove in and bared all, financially speaking. Uh, Seeing the reality of our situation was hard when you look at it on a spreadsheet. As a result of the economic apocalypse and a huge helping of foolishness by my bad leadership, we found ourselves in over $100,000 of debt plus a mortgage. We also lost over a year's salary and commissions that died with the economy, and then there was a lawsuit that got mixed in, and we were in pretty bad shape. The lesson of this time is is that although it was hard because of outside pressure beyond our control, our not being obedient and attentive to God's word caused even greater pain. In Proverbs 22, 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrow is the slave of the lender. Psalms 37.21 says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. We knew these things but thought ourselves wiser. We were fools. Wisdom was lacking in our over-optimistic view of our ability to provide. I know that I had begun to rely on us, on my abilities as a financial planner and Robbie's ability to sell our way out of the hole, rather than following the wisdom that God had so clearly set before us. My joy was in possessions rather than in my God. Looking back, I praise God that even in the midst of financial chaos, Robbie and I remained teammates and never played the blame game. We both knew we had dug this hole together. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It was as we were pulling out of financial collapse and accepting God's discipline for our foolishness and pride 
that we began facilitating re-engage for the first time. What a blessing to arm ourselves with tools that we didn't even realize we were lacking. A lot has happened since the, the financial collapse of 2008 and 2009. And we find ourselves today talking to you all, and, and we could authentically say that we are more in love and more skilled as a couple and enjoy each other more and more. We perceive ourselves this way, uh, and, and it really has been an incredible, just the, the last five years as we've had to just replay our lives, but re-engage in our community group. Terry and I have, have uh, we've led 13 groups so far, you think? Yeah, and for almost half of our married life, we've been doing re-engage in one way or another, and that has had a huge impact. Each time we lead is a season of sharpening, sharpening off dullness, suffering with the suffering, and reminding ourselves that the problem with our marriage is more to do with ourselves rather than our spouse. Our community group has also been a crucial to illuminating our blind spots. These friends have been courageous and committed. We don't deserve friends like this, but we will take them and keep them. We loved these folks. These two elements of our life, re-engage in a proactive biblical community, has pushed us into God's word. And if there's anything good in us, it's because of God. It is God's work in us that has been producing fruit. While we're not passive in it, we are humbled and grateful for his work. As we wrap up, I'd like to return to our kids. Scripture states, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22, 6. The transition of raising little ones to homeschooling and then launching them into adulthood was a hard transition for us. Our poor twins, they got the raw end of the deal, rookie parents who had no clue how to successfully let go. We did not do this well, and we all suffered. It's now been 13 years since our first kiddo graduated from high school, and we can enthusiastically say that we love being the parents of adult children um, more than any other stage. (laughs) We still grieve poor decisions, but we're no longer trying to parent. Um, That's shorthand for control. We strive to be honest, available, and committed, but we trust our kids. This looks more like being invited in to to disciple or discuss, and it is an absolute joy. Our relationships have flourished as each of our kids have launched, and we now enjoy every moment we get to spend. Every text, every surprise coffee date, every discussion about what they're reading for fun or wrestling with in God's word. We are blessed beyond belief in loving them, and they have in turn loved us. I have, we have a couple pictures. We have one of our wedding day. Well, we got tons of for a while. <laughs> we don't have that many. Our babies. And then um, just over the, la- the last, between our kids, in our family, we have had eight weddings in the last two years. So there's just a couple pictures of some weddings that we have done with um, our kids and then this new grandbaby. So in the last 16 days, we, have, we had a granddaughter turn nine and our youngest grandchild was born. Um, so our story is not one of running far off track, and for that we're very grateful. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 speaks to the blessing of diligence in pursuing God and his faithfulness. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Today we can honestly say we are more content. Each day is a gift, and we open it with joy. God's provision is much more satisfying than what we dreamt up on our own. 
Thank you. Thank you all so much.